So ongoing, ongoing practice. I'm sure you're aware. For most of us, this uh, particular occasion is drawing to an end or a subsiding. The form begins to soften, and then we emerge into what we call a normal life, and hopefully having noticed a few things that we can reset. Say, I don't need to do that, Uh, enough of that, make time for that, apply attention here, finding out where the trigger points are, where we get reactive, constrictive, habitual, fixated, obsessive, where the sense of I am occurs (laughs) as a fixed entity. Recognizing how in that experience, eso, meso, this is me, amas me, this I am, me atta, this is myself. I don't expect you'll remember it in Pali, but those are the three references. This is happening to me. Oh, (laughs) Oh. (laughs) I am this. I'm in this, form starts to rise, personal form starts to rise. It's me again. And then, then the, the photograph, this is what I am. I'm this, you know. So this is the way these, this anatta is expressed as a, a point of reference. Uh, that's the thing to aim for. I said, there's where the triggering points are in all this flux of stuff. This is also a recognition of the potential for a remedy. That is, things do happen, but if it's not ha- if it's just happening to chitta, to heart, to awareness. Does that remove some of that instinctual bias and reaction? Mm. If we take the self out of the picture, if we don't add that to it, if we understand what that reflex addition does, how it intensifies experience, Mm. and in that intensification of what's felt, sensed, heard, remembered, there's a sort of a a shape, the chitta gets shaped into a particular set of programs, you know, uh, defense programs, our acquisition programs, our agitation programs, our, you know, and there I am, and then that's me. So no, noticing that, that sequential process of self-referencing, mm-hmm. Because this is something that um, you can, I hope, uh, and I encourage to just uh, you know keep aware of in your life, in your day, 
And in this situation it becomes more clear because so much of what you normally do and are is taken away from you. Your normal ways of enacting, acting out, holding, planning is taken away and then you begin to see these reflexes jumping to make, to have, to be, to get, to not have, to, to get rid of. And not, and seeing these, also these are not self, these are just the system reacting. So this is, so it's not just pointing, it's also remedial. That which seems so intimately and sometimes um, awkwardly and painfully uh, and, and frustratingly me and myself is actually just a series of reactions and reflexes that you don't need they're, you know, they're trying to do something you know, it's the, it's the you know the jitta is, is masked by ignorance those, those, they're trying to do something what are they trying to do Make me permanent, make me happy, make me effective, make me comfortable, so I become, you know, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> and it is, but it's just the wrong strategy. It's a reaction, the sankara, the reactions that arise through not really sensing the purity, the openness, the freedom of citta not being able to manage it, not being informed of it. In fact, being inducted into various programs of personality and, uh, and so on and so on and so on. Mm. Either deliberately or just through accident. You know, defence strategies, uh, self-abasement strategies, because I always told to shut up or put aside to avoid conflict. Or overdoing it, so as if I do plenty, 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 then I'll get accepted because I'm doing so much. You know, that that will be win me acknowledgement and acceptance in the in the group. These are the kind of familiar uh, strategies that we barely really know because we're so much them that we don't get perspective on it. But let's make no no mistake, the Buddha is not wiping out uh, anything that's real and valid. So when we turn to the Satipatthana teachings, we have this um, beautiful prologue where the Buddha says, um, this is the direct path for the purification of beings, for the surmounting of sorrow, and lamentation for the disappearance of pain and grief. Mm. For the attainment of the true way for the realization of Nibbana, namely the four establishments of mindfulness. 
And when you listen to that and take it slow, you can almost hear the urgency in the Buddha's voice. You know? Sometimes when you hear these things, you just get well up with emotion, the, the degree to which this person cared. You know? That people not suffer. And bring, you know, and the purification is a possibility of that. And having won it and established it and then determined to try to bring it across, the amount of effort this person put into 45 years of their life till they're on their last dying moments, they're saying, has anybody got any questions? <laughs> Do a Q&A session on your deathbed. <laughs> I mean, you know, no holding back. So you get a sense of just, this is really, you know, deeply powerful and deeply authentic and deep, deeply, enormously human, you know, in a way that few of us could ever imagine like that breadth of compassion and that commitment to present it and the skills and he said this is the ekayana, this is the direct this is the stripped down way no frills and from this you can draw out different themes of, of meditation uh, you can draw it out and in fact very much cross-references to Anapanasati, which is said to be the, you see, the, the breath, through the breath vehicle, through the breathing vehicle, bringing to fruition these four establishments. But one would imagine that the Buddha felt, well, yeah, that's the way he realised it. But then people would be walking around, doing things. So something that's more bigger, envelope to you know, walk, walk around, move around, talking, leaning, scratching, the whole thing. So really opening it out. And yet maintaining that strimmed down uh, minimalism. So we don't get lost in the details of which we all, I'm sure, are saturated with. As within these four you take these, Mara will not get you. You live within these. So as we've been um, considering and practicing and reflecting, body, somehow within this body, the other three frames, the other three establishments can be accessed. So firstly, establishing the fullness of body. Again, in this minimalist way, there is a body. You can see the physicality of it. Uh, and then also the, um, the subtle body, the energetics, the breathing, inner quality, the, the internal body, the somatic body. And any of those will tend to remove the sense of I am, you know, without removing a body, without removing awareness just don't need this 
third party is awareness of body you don't need to make an I am out of it it's just there it is you know so that's a there's a removal of something that doesn't actually remove the fundamental truth that there is and it happens and, and there's a knowing of it but it takes out this intermediary which kind of complicates the matters <laughs> this is me this I am this is myself and once one begins to encourage to through these three factors um, love born together Atapi one is keen one is eager one is ardent yeah you really Sampajano one is fully aware one is reflecting one is looking at one is turning over mm. reviewing in these four ways reviewing in terms of purpose what's the aim what's, what, am I, what am I attending to this for in order to release any defilement or any constrictions or any ignorance, purpose, supaya, is it comfortable, is it suitable, is it something you can, within your range, which can change of course. Is it gochara, is it something that's contextualized, so you're not trying to you know, focus on a refined object in an unrefined situation. and you can include your spread your wideness mindfulness to include the context like okay there's 25 of us sitting in a room therefore I use my body this way so that it's creating as least problems for other people contextualizing it and um, non-delusion what one is mindful of what one gives attention to what one bears in mind cannot be sensed as this this is changing that's a hallmark of that direct awareness it's vibrant, it's pulsing, it's rhythmic, it's flowing, it's repeating but it's definitely not a thing, it's a dynamic it's unsatisfactory, it's not arriving at a conclusion you know, whatever the process is in itself, it doesn't arrive at the feeling of that's enough. There's something more that needs to be adjusted, done, added to it. And as we can notice, you know, you get hungry, you eat, okay, but then six hours later, you want some more. And you get tired, you take a rest. How many hours later you want to do it again? So, you know, look at even that very obvious recognition of the unsatisfactoriness, the inconclusiveness of our attempts at fruition, our attempts at um, comfort, etc. And so, bearing this in mind, this means you, you begin to disconnect from those attempts and those concerns. Not to completely deny them, but to disconnect. Okay, it will be uncomfortable, but maybe it'll bring out something better in me. This is a really 
powerful and useful realization. This is not something I particularly relish, but it will change. But bearing with it, it might bring out patience and compassion and equanimity. And bearing with it, it might train my mind to just not be so fault-finding or, yeah, moody and so on. Using, using this sampajana to bear with the unsatisfactory to, and recognizing it's not anything going wrong, it's the way it is. Mm. It keeps things spacious. Our retreats are always, yeah, if only I had, but it was like this. Meetings, it was great, now we're going to leave. Oh well. <laughs> but that's how it is. So that, you know, what happens when you emotionally get that? It's not just an intellectual conclusion. When you, when you get that emotionally, isn't there some sort of a sense of openness, respect, gratitude that we've met at all? And letting it, okay, don't ask for more than you get. Let it, let things change. And you're, what you've got out of it is equanimity, patience, openness, and ability to allow things to pass. And that's, since we all have to die, remember, <laughs> and our friends will die. Mm. It's good to get this one established. And then we don't just take each other for granted. And oh, she's always, yeah, no, no. It's a special occasion. And then respect, non-grasping, non-demanding, non-expecting. Anatta, one recognizes none of this is going to fit into the me packet. And maybe that's great, because maybe that, that packet of what I want, what I hope for, what fits me, what exactly suits me, maybe that packet's got to be expanded and stretched, eventually just <laughs> disbanded. Since we're all going to die, and I imagine most of us are not thinking, wow, great. Uh, particularly the process of degeneration and decay so really helpful to bear this in mind so that one's heart one's awareness doesn't have to lament suffer panic dread the way it is on this level and then the heart can be purified the realization of nibbana, non-attachment, non-clinging. He said, "Then this is what is offered." So these three factors, sampajano, attapi, sati, working together, and trying to—if we can take this with us in a practice, then. You know, 
got a manageable kit. <laughs> so I've been looking at these, reviewing these Satipatthana teachings, and uh, as they always process through each of these uh, establishments, each of these domains, with a reference, uh, one establishes these qualities to the extent to which the you know, contemplating factors internally, externally, and so forth, to the extent to which one arrives at there is, there is a body, there is body, there is mind. Uh, so it's really like you're kind of pruning away And what's the experience of there is mind? Rather than the content, so as we've looked into the, the content, the swirling material that swirls through, and then this is impermanent, not self. And what does it take to establish that way of responding to these primary patterns of searching for, you know, getting warmed up by, heated, resisting, agitating, not wanting to happen, and just getting muddled, is just expanding around that. These, these qualities, if, if they're not held mindfully, will proliferate into a cascade of memories, emotions, possibilities, thoughts, projections about myself, others, the world, the future, the past, the present, how it should be, why it isn't, what's the nature of ultimate truth, and so forth. <laughs> and how did we get here? I think it, Buddha says, I don't ask those questions because it doesn't lead to this direct way. Your mind is proliferating. This is what you need to know. Because this leads to the ending of that struggle, conflict, proliferation. Shape of the mind, where the chitra is contracted, tight, or distracted, scattered, fragmented, the shape of it, to get a sense of that. Often, when associated with volition, we get really fired up about something, mind tends to narrow and contract around that object. We feel, you know, resistance, or we can't achieve what we want, the mind tends to break up and fragment into, but why, and how can I do that, why is this going wrong? So if we don't just follow the voices, we feel the shaping of the mind, as it scatters and reaches out, or as it contracts. And what does it take to be aware of that? As a normal feature. What is it that's doing it? What what veils it? What covers it? The contracted mind is covered by it has to be this way, it's necessary, it's important, I have to do this. 
I've got to get this, you know. This is the system, this is the truth, this is the way it is, it's this way. You feel like contracting. Strong self arises around that. Scattering, distracted. It's my fault, it's his fault, it's their fault. It shouldn't be, it used to be, it was, they said, but it isn't, and why? (laughs) Our proliferation that we also experience and plenty of stories in that and yet what good does that do you getting you know stirred up flapping your arms around about this that and the other okay Mm. what is needed just then spread awareness over that and we might look into the triggering of those forms, conditions, feeling, contact. Something started to crystallize into narrative. Crystallizing into narratives. And then it says, okay, so, and then we're sustaining that, realizing the qualities that come with sustaining that kind of broad focus to not get contracted or, or fragment the mahachitta mind is serene, economist, kindly, dispassionate it's really spread to a very great foundation, it's not rocked easily it doesn't contract, it doesn't scatter. Knowing this, when it's there, when it's not there. When it's not there, we look into the causes and conditions, what's happening. When it is there, we look into the causes and conditions. And neither of these, so we don't claim any of this to be mine, but this sense of spaciousness or tolerance or Equanimity has arisen because of certain qualities such as sati is present, or relinquishment is present, or investigation is present. And we learn. This is how you learn these things. And when they're absent, how they can be reintroduced through atipi, through eagerness, through ardour, not leaving the territory of what has causes to contract or agitate but inquiring what's the cause and condition for that and then what does it need this Dhamma Vijaya how did the I am arise in that one and so this entering into samadhi and not entering into it cause and condition for that then there is mind that sense of just open aware attuned not picking up any particular object inclination just poised aware of how 
any movement into that field of mind, into that creative dynamic, should be accompanied by wisdom and compassion and mindfulness. Now these Satipatthana teachings come in a variety of forms and three major forms are the connected discourses which have a collage of shorter suttas and you have the majima middle length sayings and then you have the long discourses and very clearly it doesn't take much to recognize that the long discourse is really just the middle length saying with a bit tacked on because it's given, both been given exactly the same place. So it hardly likely the Buddha said word for word exactly the same thing in the same place. So it seems what it is is two versions of the same basic thing. And the second version, long discourse, they somebody's thought, well, we'll put some more stuff in the end of it. You know, flesh it out a bit. Because in the middle length sayings, it mentions the four noble truths. So, in long discourses, let's go into the Four Noble Truths. They open up the section on the Eightfold Path, a very long section there. So you get a sense in which, clearly, with good intention, they're adding more material to fill out this framework. And if you realise these things were recited, you also understand in terms of recitation, when you want to add material, the best place to add it is either beginning or the end. Because if you learn, you don't want to break up a learned piece. So when you look at the difference between the connected and the, and the middle length, you see the connected discourse doesn't have anything on mindfulness of breathing. So that seems to be added at the beginning. Because clearly it's a powerful teaching, so put that in there. Um, and in terms of the middle length, it doesn't quite fit. You know, It should come after, somewhere after the preliminaries of the body. But they thought, somebody must have thought, well, can't interrupt the recitation, they would tack a bit on the beginning. And then in the fourth section, section on Dhammas, in the connected discourse, there's no, no exploration of Dhammas, it's just Dhammas, that's it. There's about, I don't know, 20 or 30 suttas there, not one of them mentions any specific Dhamma at all. It's just Dhammas phenomena. Uh, what's that mean? So, well, we better put some stuff in there. So that's been, <laughs> you know, maybe I'm being disrespectful, but, you know, when you see this process going on, you realise these suitors have been uh, for edited and gathered together over a period of 150 years or so. Clearly, you know, from, from good intentions, they thought, well, let's put all this stuff into this one bag. That fits, so... What are the dhammas? Well, there's the hindrances, the enlightenment factors, four noble truths, put that in. And then some other time I thought, well, let's put the A4 path in as well, throw that in. <laughs> so you've got a very large suitcase out of what was originally like a, a travel bag. <laughs> now, I don't know, the point of that is... <laughs> Why, why, why bother to talk about that? Because Dhammas, 
when you look in the original or the earliest of the connected discourse, it's kind of slightly, if you don't know what dhammas are, what's he talking about? But I would suggest it really means those points of experience where the I am arises that's what makes it so significant the points where the I am arises and also the points where the remedial aspect of anatta can be practiced like right so this sense of you know I'm really getting angry I'm upset she annoyed me she disappointed me you know, that's a perception not self. So these, oh yes, the aggregates. So you see, the, the remedial aspect of anattar is to is to remove this poignant intensification through which hindrances arise. And when you look into the exploration of dhammas, you see they're all about either where the problem starts or what means you apply to that core problem, which is grasping, identification, self-referencing, and where these self-references occur. That's up to all of us to know, isn't it? Where they occur, whether it's over my shape of my body or my house or my neighbours or my dog. <laughs> and then when that identification, that mind occurs, how the, the suffering and stress arises dependent upon, this is an aggregate you're referring to, not an entity. And there can be aversion, agitation, worry, restlessness, and so forth happening around it. Remove the I am sense, remove the mind sense, remove this is part of my life. Where that house, that dog, becomes built in to me. And without it I'm shattered. You know, and it's gonna be it's gonna leave you. you know? So that, that perception aggregate you know, collected around that phenomenon and became part of the mind, myself package. And it's going to leave, it's going to break off. And what's going to happen? Loss, bereavement, confusion, disorientation, suffering, stress. Therefore, Understand it as, as it actually is. Remove the barb, remove the hook. Certainly you can still respond with compassion, clarity, integrity. You know, but get that clinging, the I am out of it, the myself. Because the me is really just a point, isn't it? Something just put contact, bang. Then... Yeah, I am this is a little bit larger generally means my body or my mind or my thoughts myself 
that can get really big. My football team, they're part of my life. If they lose, I'm broken up, you know. <laughs> my country, my planet. And uh, war. War. Let alone my country, but even your football team loses, there's riots, people beating each other up, throwing bottles and rocks. Because <laughs> it's become part of myself. I live for that, that, that experience. You see, so this, you know, we can look at that and think, well, that's kind of funny, but, well, look on your own. <laughs> what established around my monastery? Or my house, or you know, it becomes an extension, and you've got to just keep. No, certainly, you know, having spent decades living in Chittavivaka Monastery and then being the abbot of it and being formed by that particular position. And so formed by that position means the abbot is one who stays there when everybody else comes and goes. Yeah, comes, gets inspired, starts complaining and leaves. Uh-huh, uh-huh, right, guys? And you're the one who stays there listening to it. And feeling responsible for it all and trying to make it work so people will be happy and stay there, and they won't be happy, they won't stay there. <laughs> you think it's because of me. So you try it, aren't you? Didn't you? <laughs> and then, you know, oh, it's broke down, I'm going to fix it. You know? That's happening. So, guess is misbehaving, I've got to make sure we establish a protocol for that. You know? And so on and so on and so on. And you get shaped by it. So then having put aside that that duty, you know, I can still be there and think they shouldn't be do they shouldn't be doing that stop. <laughs> you know, that shouldn't be happening, stop. Why do they build that? Stop. And I have to walk around going, I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm dead. <laughs> Just haven't buried me yet, but I'm dead. And it's made a better person of me being dead. Because <laughs> it's going to be the way it is. You know, I'm alive for the next breath, but I wouldn't count much more than that. So you know, that's, that's the way it's going to go. You think, I'm, well, I'm dead already. That makes it easier. <laughs> And yet, you know, if one, <laughs> one can come from the grave, if invited or, you know, out of compassion and concern, and then you learn to do things without expecting any results. Just do it because even though you, you're dead, your heart's still alive. Mm. And not getting shaped by it, not carrying it. Mm. 
There was a really interesting sutta in this connected discourse, which is not doesn't appear at all in the longer ones. It's a little bit mysterious in some respects, the language. The Buddha says, I will teach you the origination and the passing away of the four establishments of mindfulness. Listen to that. So he's not talking about the passing away of mindfulness, but the passing away of where it's established. And what bhikkhus is the origination of body, the origination of nutriment, there is the origination of body. With the cessation of nutriment, there is the passing away of body. With the origination of contact, there is the origination of feeling. With the cessation of contact, there is the passing away of feeling. With the origination of name and form, there is the origination of citta, mind. With the cessation of name and form, there is the passing away of citta, of mind. With the origination of attention, there is the origination of phenomena, dhammas. With the cessation of attention, there is the passing away of dhammas, phenomena. This is Sangyutta 47-42. That's it. <laughs> As I say, this is cut down, all right? And we might teach us explore the language a little. Um, origination means samudaya, something wells up. It comes welling up. It pops up. It rises. It swells up into awareness. Mm. Samudaya, passing away, atangamo. Mm. Cessation, niroda. So there's a play between these three references. The rising up, that is something comes into awareness, wells up. Mm. Because of, dependent upon the origination of something else. Something else comes welling up into awareness. So in terms of body, what is nutriment for body? Now we may think, obviously, physical food, and that's true. But in this case, the nutriment is called the four elements. Sense of solidity, uh, heat, Warmth, vitality, a sense of uh, movement, mobility, air element, water element, the sense of cohesiveness. So, sense of solidity, earth element, the sense of heat, warmth, vitality, fire element, a sense of um, movement, something that presses, swells, pushes through, air element, the sense of things flowing together giving shape, water element. When these phenomena arise, uh, there is body. Experience a body. Can you experience a body in this very primary way without that? Directly. 
Can you experience a body without some sense of the being something <clears throat> solid? No. Can you experience body without the sense of being something, some kind of warmth, vitality, otherwise it's dead? Mm. No. It may fluctuate, but there's some reference to that. Breathing and out, obviously, is the most obvious example of the air element, something, a life force flowing through. That's always happening. And the fact that it all seems to be in the same bag. You know. So we may feel that our head's disconnected from our bodies sometimes, but when you actually establish sati, you sense, oh yeah, this whole thing is part of the same thing. It flows together. Without that, you don't have the experience of body. So the experience, the here and now experience and awareness of body comes with these four elements. Mm. Now, the mm, cessation of that, when that reference is no longer sustained, mm. then the sense of body, an entity, a separate entity, a form arising within a space, a form arising with other things around it, a sense of being differentiated, that passes away, that melts. And where could it be that these four elements don't arise or, or cease? So we'll leave that as an open question. Disappearance, he doesn't use the word cessation. An atangamo refers to something like a sunset. Things just go down and clearly the sun can come up again so it's like just the it no longer impinges on awareness it can come back but it no longer manifests origination of contact the origination of feeling when something touches gets you feeling arises when something doesn't get you it doesn't arise. And this gets a little more intimate because a lot of contact is based upon I am, my tastes, my values. As we could probably recognise things that get me Irritated, other people might not notice. You know, some way some monk wears his robe, I might get a lot of feeling around that. Other people don't even see anything there, and so forth. You know, um, comments that some people find just bland, other people find it offensive, depending on culture. You know, strong feeling around something that somebody didn't even notice, depending on culture. So, contact that which gets me, that which touches me. With the cessation of that, there isn't any feeling on that basis. So we can have a strong contact impression around the nature of the Holy Trinity. The wars fought over this. People slaughtered over this. Between the Greek Orthodox and the Roman Catholics, 
Greek Orthodox wouldn't accept the sun. They wouldn't accept the sun as an element of divinity. So they'd only hold up two fingers. Catholics hold up three fingers. Greek Orthodox only two fingers. They say, I will die before I hold up that third finger. It gets me. When I see that third finger go up, I get so agitated. And there was fought over this principle. Something, and I think finger, ghost, what? <laughs> it's not part of my self package. Mm. So it doesn't mean you don't feel anything, it's just that the disappearance. There's nothing there to feel. It's not. You hear the words, you see the things, but nothing. There's no contact. There's no. You see it with your eye, but it doesn't contact the heart. Because the me bit has been seen. Please. Origination of name and form. There's origination of mind, with cessation of name and form, the passing away of mind. Obviously, this is a sentence that one could feel quite disturbed by. But it's labelling, name labelling, perceiving things, having perceptions about what's beautiful or necessary or important, and labelling. And labelling catches us. And the chitta rises up to defend labels, to argue over labelling, over how things are perceived, beautiful, appropriate, inappropriate. We take stands on these customs and systems the right way. How you arrange your room. So the mind can rise up with that. And uh, its intentions get activated. But with the letting go of name and form, labelling things, mind doesn't get heated up. There's a disappearance of that quality, intentionality. Mm. Living in communities, this is a really um, (laughs) powerful practice because... uh, you know, when you're living in a monastic community particularly, there's a great deal of, you know, structural uniformity, but actually pragmatic, complete um, individuality. <laughs> and you've got a sense of everybody has a room, da, 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 this is the way we do the day, and yet people have very different takes on silence, on uh, chanting, on requisites, on procedures. So then you get a sense of people start to stand out because he's the one who, who really wants there to be complete silence to practice. Another person thinks, well, you've got to be able to communicate, for goodness sake. Otherwise, how are we going to work things out? So, you know. We label practice. Practice is being in relationship with each other in a kindly, supportive way. Now, practice is being quiet, so we leave each other alone. There's nothing to deal with. Put the two together in the same kuti. (laughs) 
good practice. <laughs> After the fireworks die down, <laughs> the chitter doesn't take a stand on it. <laughs> just, I'm not going there. I'll just be with this, deal with that frustration or disappointment, and then the mind has left that area. It's disappeared from that area. It's not taking a stand in that area. It doesn't claim an area to be mine, the right, the best, the worst, or anything. This is the disappearing withdrawal of mind. Mm. And phenomena. Mm. When attention wells up, focus arises. When focus arises, it discerns phenomena. As I was saying, with visual field of attention, you have a very wide visual field potentially, which is, I don't know, well, if you let your eyes blur, you see a very wide field of just different light, degrees of light, and naturally the eyes will tend to focus on about 5% or less of that. That's attention. Once you get that attention, then you can do the fine details on descriptions of things and people and so forth. The naming starts, the attention starts, the Dhamma starts to arise based upon that particular phenomenon. You like it or don't like it, adjust it, how it affects you and so forth. Now when that attention doesn't do that, <laughs> when, when the attention really opens and widens, There's nothing really to um, get hooked on. So it's like when you look into the uh, fish tank and you can see the seaweed and the rocks and the little goldfish and uh, this, that and the other. Or you could look at the water. Water. Then fish. Oh yeah, I see what you mean, fish, yeah, but look at the water. (laughs) Now it's not just to be stupid, but also to recognise, you know, why attention focuses. It's not focusing just for the sake of it, it's focusing because I want to see something, I want to know something. There's a certain, when that I am gets behind it, you get attention gets more to where's the good thing for me, where's the advantage, where's the thing I object to, and what's that, you know, and then the whole proliferation process goes. So attention needs to be carefully handled, properly handled, what you give attention to. So the forms and names and forms that arise are supportive of practice rather than become an overwhelming flood of things one feels obsessed with or struggling with or irritated by. This is keep spacious, see what look at, remember what's useful. Don't let the mind just grab any old stuff out of the cupboard. You know, attend to what's useful. Attend to the fact that everything you give attention to will become the dominating theme of your mind. Be aware of that careful what you give attention to 
This is what the, what the teaching is trying to point out. Because when the careless attention takes over, the mind picks up, tends to phenomena in an unskillful way. And these, these get established. And these are the, you know, the ways we, we cultivate. As you're taking this practice through, take it in, taking it into your embodiment, because there's qualities in the body which the mind, the brain doesn't know about. Reflexes. So you listen to that. Where am I getting edgy? Where am I getting contracted? Where am I getting flustered? Where am I suddenly running faster or skipping over something or something? Something's contracting my body. What's that about? The body's telling you something about the reflexes. And so you start to explore that. When you explore a reflex, one thing you don't do is say, go away. What you do do is say, who are you? Right? There's that defensive reflex, rather than I shouldn't be defensive, I should be completely open. That reflex is there trying to support you, trying to support yourself. So you look into that reflex, this is defending. Defending. Who's defending? There's a defensive self. There's fear. There's uncertainty. There's insecurity. Oh, what does it need? What does it need? And you may come up with ideas of what you think it needs, but best is not to do that. Best is just to pose that inquiry. Let awareness sustain that quality of inquiry, keenness, attentiveness, and see what arises as it unravels, as it unpacks. Some of this stuff goes very deep. takes forms I remember hearing an account of a craniosacral session where teacher was had a few students you know doing this craniosacral practice where you one person reclines then a couple of people one holds the feet one holds the head and try to spread awareness over the form and just listen and that you know it's, it's amazing because this is satipatthana <laughs> they just tune in plug in listen don't do anything just let awareness itself be felt and sensed and the body picks it up and starts doing things, you know, shifting things and you know, things open up, 
So this session is, was going on, and, and then one team got into a real problem because they had this person, she become completely rigid, stiff as a board. Nothing happening, totally locked, with her eyes popped open. So they called the teacher over and said, hey, look at this, what's happening here? So he comes over, does the thing, hands, feet, skull, completely frozen. Oh God, what's happening? Picks up her arm, massage it, nothing, nothing. Turns the head, nothing. This woman's completely locked, closed. Doesn't want to do. So he's looking at her. She's got her eyes are popped wide open, and her mouth is pursed, lips protruding forward. What's that? It's like a fish. She looks just like a fish. So he says, "What's it like to be a fish?" And her eyes start flickering. Uh-huh. Something's happening. So, what's it like to be a fish? What are you swimming around in? Are you, are you okay in the water there? And her eyes start flickering and flashing. And so then she just erupts <laughs> uh, with uh, grief. By a complete explosion of grief. So they, so they kind of get around it, hold it. Okay. You know, do what they can, get her home, get her some attention, and so forth. So then she comes back, and they say, well, you know, well, what happened for you? So she says, well, you know, what was it, 20, 30 years ago, I took my two children to the beach. It was my little girl, my little boy were on the beach. And the little girl's about five, and the boy's about three, sitting on the beach, so great. Nice. So I sat down, and they were running around, so I just got a book out, looking at the book, and turned a few bit, looked up, where's the boy gone? Where? He's in the water, so she rushed into the water, get the little boy, drag him out, you know, everything she can, he's dead. So her life completely falls apart with grief and guilt. And uh, goes through years of marriage, falls apart, everything falls apart. Grief and guilt. And uh, what happened was that the body, her body, had felt the only way she could keep in touch with her son was to be a fish. So this fish, she didn't know anything about it. The body had taken on this fish persona in order to maintain the connection with uh, her boy. And she knew nothing about it. So, you know, it just makes you consider when you scan your body what messages are in there that you don't, you don't really know about. But when you meet it, when you meet these subtle internal forms, there's the time to widen, soften, open. There is body. There is awareness. Trust awareness. Inquire. Pick up the patterns. Mm-hmm. 
don't search for an answer and let, let the process unfold. So let's take our time for direct practice.